Hello everyone and welcome to the Day Coaching Podcast with me, Alessia Pacha. I posted yesterday, I think it is, um, all about my mental health journey really and it was super raw, super honest for me and I think it's the most I've probably ever spoken about it. Um, Normally I put like little bits and pieces in posts and stuff but that was like really raw (laughs) and it was on my story so I was like talking about it openly and like yeah anyway it was really really good to do that and I felt really empowered by it and actually I inspired quite a lot of people to message me and go do you know what that's exactly how I feel or that is how I have felt and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing is to help as many women as possible so to talk to you guys a bit about what I posted going back when I was um 17 I think I was around 17 maybe a little bit maybe just coming up to 17 and there was a college lecturer at the college I was at and back then the whole you know thing around sexual assault and grooming wasn't really something that was spoken about actually I don't think it was at all to be honest and so I was really naive like I didn't have a clue anyway there was a college lecturer there and he groomed me And I only clicked that that happened when I was in my mid-30s. How crazy is that? That is when it clicked. I was like, yeah, oh my God, that happened to me. And I was just shocked. And I was thinking, why have I not realised this before, that that's what he was doing? But I didn't. So that happened and that's when I would say that my my mental health I guess struggles began I recognized that the way I'm dealt with that was by feeling really low and I didn't understand and I felt very anxious and so suddenly I had all these anxieties around things and these fears then I got into my first abusive relationship at the age of 19 And then he stalked me for nearly four years. And that's when I would say that my mental health went onto a whole different ballgame. So I was self-harming. I was, I had suicidal thoughts. I had extreme kind of drastic thoughts around things. And I guess that came from the fear from the stalking. It was like I was on constant high alert. And I had a my very own mental health social worker, which I saw once. <laughs> uh, and then I had a psychotherapist or a psychoanalyst, one of those. And um, they thought I might have had bipolar, but then they finally diagnosed me with post-traumatic stress disorder, severe anxiety and clinical depression. I was put on medication and then I had two years therapy. Then I was... When I did get given those diagnoses, though, I was just kind of left to it and I had to go and get my own therapy. So I had counselling through the GP, but then I had to pay for it and I couldn't afford it. So eventually that stopped. But that was, I mean, the counsellor was amazing. I've got to give it to him. He was amazing. But I didn't really talk much about everything that I'd experienced because I think there was a part of me that was really embarrassed and a part of me that didn't really, I don't know, I think I locked so much away. So I very rarely did I show how I really felt to people. I was very good at masking it all and putting on a face 
maybe that's how you want to put it. I just put on a front like, da-da, here I am. Um, there was probably when the stalking was really bad, there were moments where I think people would have suspected something was wrong with me because I stopped wearing my makeup. And I remember I had to be driven to work and picked up because he was following me to work. And I would wear like a hoodie, which just wasn't me at all, like wearing no makeup and like this massive oversized hoodie. And I was very, a very angry person, very quiet within those few weeks. But then it's like I almost kind of stepped out of that again and was like, nope, come on, pull yourself together. And that's very much how I almost spoke to myself. And I think that's how I felt I had to be and I had to just get on with it. So I masked it really well. And then I then ended up um, kind of going on a bit of a rampage, I guess. Like I've never been somebody who has drunk loads I've never done drugs so I never did that but I just went out lots that's what I did and I just didn't really look after myself I guess and that was all part of my mental health when I look back at it all and my response to the trauma that I've gone through because I didn't really get much support at all and the police helped at well they didn't help at all they did nothing absolutely nothing so I think I just felt really on my own and just had to process it all and deal with it on my own so Then when I went into my um, next abusive relationship, because that person was calm and that person wasn't erratic and violent, physically violent, I thought that that meant they were safe, but actually it's not at all. And so I almost was made to feel during that time that mental health wasn't a thing. That's literally how they would speak to me about it. Like mental health wasn't a thing. It was all in my head. It was like, no, that's not what you've got, you're fine. And they wouldn't want me to go to the doctors. So I learned again that I had to mask everything. Everything was okay. It was all in my head. It was my problem. It wasn't mental health. It was a different type of problem that I had and I had to get over it and move forward. So I was on and off my medication. And then during that period of time, being with that person, I just eventually just became more of an introvert as time went on. And then I look back now and I think, God, yeah, I remember moments where I really struggled, where I just was beyond exhausted because I was a single parent to my three kids. Like, I don't care what that individual says. I was. I did every nighttime wake up. I did every early morning wake up. I did everything for those children, every single thing. Even if I was so unwell, I still did it. And if I couldn't, it'd be my parents that would step in, not him. So I was, in my eyes, a single parent of three kids that whole time. And there were many occasions where I was beyond exhausted, where actually I probably would have collapsed. And there were many times I had panic attacks and things, and they just would ignore it and just be like well of course you're like that because you're tired well of course you're like that well then you shouldn't be doing this you shouldn't be doing that and it was like oh my god nothing I did was right anyway and there were a few occasions where on the school run I would love it when it was winter time when it was raining because it meant I could wear a hooded jacket so I put my hooded jacket on and then I could just literally hide my face away from everybody and some people have said oh, you know what, I used to think you're all right, bitch. And I think, oh my God, because that's not me at all. I'd be like, what, why? Well, because you just looked like thunder sometimes or you would just be ignorant. And it's like, 
No, it's because actually I was really unwell and I was scared of seeing people. I didn't want to be around other human beings. I wanted to just literally look down on the floor, drop my kids off and go home and just go back in my safe haven. I rarely went out to places. If I did with my kids, it would be going for a walk with just me and them or it would be the supermarket where I'd literally go in, get what I needed and go out and that would be me going out with my children. Like, bless them, I never did kids groups and stuff. I only did a kids group when I had my youngest and I only did a handful of them because I just couldn't cope with it. It just, I couldn't cope. So my mental health journey has been really colourful. But, you know, I'm here today and I look back and I think, Jesus, I'm really proud of myself for how I managed all of that. And there was one time where I think I was done. So when I clicked that I wanted to leave this abusive marriage, I had to really work on myself and get myself strong to enable myself to do it and to believe in myself that I could do it. Because every time I tried to end it, I would be confronted with everything under the sun, like, oh, well, the next time you see me, I'll be floating in the river. Or, you know, and imagine that you've done that to your kids. You've done that. Or I would be told that I'd have the kids taken away from me, or I'd financially struggle, and then I'd have to um, leave the home and get myself a flat on the council and be on benefits, and I wouldn't be able to see the kids, and it'd be da 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 constant kind of things like that hurled at me which is a typical um perpetrator so that put real fear in me so I realized and recognized actually I need to work on me get myself strong and then I can do this so that's what I did I made that decision and I thought actually I am worth more than this I am not going to suffer anymore I'm not going to allow my mental health to take over and I'm not going to allow this person to make me feel like this is my life and that's that's all I'm worth so I did a load of work on my mindset and everything like that. But before I made that conscious decision, the bit that was the light bulb moment was when on one day I just had what I would call a breakdown. I was like, that's it, I'm done. And there were many times when I thought the children were better off without me anyway. Like I'd be like, oh, well, they wouldn't miss me. Or I'd say to myself, well, they'd be better off without me because what kind of mum am I? Or... I'm not this, I'm not good enough, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. So I went through that a lot. But this particular day, I was like, they're fine. So I literally, after their dad, again, said something to me, as per usual, I just shut down. And I just went, that's it, I'm done. And I had these stained joggers on, this oversized jumper hoodie thing on, um odd socks if I remember rightly and I just left the house I left the kids with him and I left took the car key and drove off and I drove off and I I remember sitting in the car at one point going I just want to go somewhere where no one's going to see me and know who I am and where there's no one around where I can just be on my own and I used to get this a lot but I would want to drive my car where I'd have a car accident and I used to visualise me letting go of the wheel and I remember thinking if I do that and I go into a car so I I go into a tree because I didn't want to go into a car so I don't want to hurt I didn't want to hurt anyone else just myself I used to think if I can let go and I go into a tree or I go off the road and roll it or something then that means I'd have to go into hospital and then if I'm in hospital it means no one's going to bother me anymore and that's literally the thinking I got to at that point that's how desperate I was 
And that day I felt it again. And I remember driving and thinking, I just want to do that. And then I pulled over and thought, right, come on. Can I just go somewhere where no one's going to be near me and no one will know me if they saw me? But I... But in the end, you know, I I was just crying and I switched my phone off so nobody could get hold of me and I was crying and crying and crying. And in the end, I thought, actually, I don't want him to have my children. And and that's when it kind of like got to me. I was like, I don't want him to have my kids. And so I drove to my cousin's and she was amazing. She was absolutely amazing. And this was actually lockdown. So um, we could see each other, but... I can't remember exactly what the rules were, but we couldn't socialise in each other's homes, I think, or, or like more than two households, I think it was. And so I went there and I was just an absolute mess. And I literally just didn't want to be there anymore. And I just kept saying this to her, like, I don't want to be with them anymore. I don't want to be here anymore. They'd be better without me. And I was going over and over and over again about it. And she was incredible and she really was amazing. And then I switched my phone on and I remember it being dark outside. So I was was gone, missing for quite a few hours. And he'd messaged me. And then my dad, my mum, one of them messaged me. I had a voice note from my mum and I'm sure it was my mum. And it was like, you know, where are you? We're worried about you, Alessia, please. We're out looking for you. And I switched my phone off again. I was just like, I don't want to be found. And it, it was, when I look back, I get emotional because it was the, such a dark time and it was the most determined I was to not be around the people that loved me. Not, not the father of my kids, but around my parents, around my children, you know. And I think because I kept masking my mental health struggles so much and because I'd been made to feel that it was a bad thing and I was made to feel that actually no it's all in my head it isn't mental health it's something completely different I I honestly I don't think I knew who I was I lost my spark like my brother's fiance says he he always says he goes you lost your spark And that's the thing, I lost who I was. I didn't know who I was anymore. I didn't know what I liked, what I didn't like. I didn't know what I wanted from life and what I didn't want. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I just lost myself completely. And I got so absorbed in this world of abuse and negativity that that was all I ended up knowing. And I almost forgot what I could have and what I had had previously. So then after chatting away with my cousin it just like hit me and I was like I need to work on me I need to get out of this situation I need to do something and I don't want him having my kids so then I went back and then it was that day that moment when I went returned that I thought enough's enough so that's when I started working on myself that's when I completely changed my life around I did so much so much work on me that I became unstoppable my mindset was unbreakable and my confidence was unshakable like I literally became a badass woman in that moment and I'm so friggin proud of myself for how I got out of it because I was in a real dark place and my self-harm stopped I was really prolific with self-harm like when I first started doing it it was multiple times a day And then I stopped and then I started again when I was in my abusive uh, marriage. And, you know, it started off with just like once, 
once a month. And then towards the end, it again became like a daily thing. And I remember sitting in the shower once, just bawling my eyes out, um, just thinking, I don't want this pain anymore. I don't want it anymore. And, you know, self-harm is something that, unless if you've done it, experienced it, which I please don't, please, I don't, I don't encourage that at all. That's the only th- way that you will ever understand. And the way that I say it to people is you self-harm because you're at such a state of pain that by doing that, it will numb the mental and emotional pain you're feeling. By harming yourself physically, you're taking that other pain away. But it's not healthy at all. It's not okay. And, you know, I have been clean now for, I want to say two years. I think it's two years. Um, and I'm really proud of myself for that because it's not, it's not easy to stop because that becomes your automatic response when you feel mental or emotional pain. It's like, oh, quick, let's do that because that will help me. But, but it doesn't. And you know what? I embrace everything that I've been through and I embrace the journey I've had because it's made me who I am today. It's shaped me into who I am today. And it's meant that I have now created a business to help other women in similar situations. That's why I do what I do. I do it to help you. I do it because I want to make a change. And the amount of women I've helped do that, I've had women come to me who wouldn't even leave their homes. I've had women come to me who have self-harmed for the majority of their lives. I've had women come to me suicidal. I've worked with so many women in so many different um, frames of minds with so many different walks of life. And I've helped them to become the women they are today where they are unshakable, unstoppable, and they're badass, and they are living a life that they deserve and that they absolutely love. And I've given them the tools to be able to manage. If shit hits the fan, I've given them a tool bag of tools to help them cope with that if ever that comes along. Because, you know, that's life, isn't it? Things will happen. It's not all all like roses and pink clouds. Things will happen. But it's how we manage them and how we face these negative things that enables us to continue living a life we love and to continue to be unshakable and unstoppable. So that's the whole kind of backstory of my mental health, really. And I just thought it was really vital for me to be completely open and honest about it and talk about it with all of you because it helps you to understand me and it helps you to see that I do get it. Like, I'm not somebody that goes, yeah, I felt anxious one day and now here I am helping women, like, you know, overcome all of these traumas or these mental health concerns you know I and yeah I get you when actually I I uh, you know a lot of people don't don't get it I know there's a few coaches in the coaching world who claim that they know what it's like to have this 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 yet have never experienced it themselves so you know I am opening up who I am to you so that you can hear me and understand me and know that I get it. And I'm not going to understand your complete journey because I haven't been on the journey that you've lived, but I have an, an element of understanding. Um, so please, 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 if you're feeling like you're in that frame of mind where you feel that you know the way to cope is self-harm or where you feel that you're in this black hole and you can't come out of it or you feel that there's no other way 
are then living the way you're living and actually that doesn't make you happy or you're, you're feeling stuck or lost or lonely, then please reach out to me because that is exactly why I'm here and what I'm doing, what I'm doing. I want to give you that key and help you unlock that door where all of your dreams will become your reality. I want you to be happy. I want you to feel excited about life. I want you to be excited about getting up and getting out of your bed and experiencing an incredible day. And I want you to be able to stand tall with your head held high and say to yourself, I did this. Because you can. So thank you so much for listening. Please do not forget to um, like and follow and share this episode on your Instagram stories or your Facebook. Tag me in it. And if you feel like you want to talk and you need to speak to somebody, please know that my DMs are always open. So come and follow me on uh, Instagram at DEA Coaching. Uh, so that's DEA Coaching. And I will be ready in my DMs to support you.